This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006 and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. The UK startup Passageway operates with the interesting mission of using technology that nudges people to make well-informed and more sustainable decisions about how they get from A to B. That's done by thinking through and developing the presentation layer for real-time passenger information content that's then run on digital signs, most notably for the bus systems around the city of London. Passageway's business model is, in simple terms, taking the rich, real-time data available for routes and stops and making it presentable and digestible for transport authorities, like Transport for London, which pays the startup to do so. The logical notion is that the more that good, real-time information is made available to people, the more the transport services will be used. While London Underground stations are well-equipped with information and the services are pretty predictable, there's not as much available to the millions who use less predictable surface transport services like the iconic double-decker red buses. I had a good chat about all this recently with Passageway co-founder Chris Johns. Chris, thank you for joining me. Can you tell me what Passageway is all about? Well, thanks so much for inviting us to uh, your podcast today. So Passageway is all about generating demand for public transport by leveraging real-time information. Um, We do this by putting it onto digital digital signs that are displayed on host-supplied screens. Um, And typically these screens only require um, a modern browser to display the digital sign. You, you made a point of saying host supplied. There's been a history through the years of companies who've done things like put in the infrastructure, the screens and so on, uh, and then run content on them with the idea that that content would be interrupted, so to speak, by advertising. You're not going down that path. No, we're not. No. So, I mean, typically those those sort of um, plays are, are similar to JC Decoe or Clear Channel, who have long had this relationship with transport authorities, whereby uh, they will, you know, fund the deployment of bus shelters in return for a, a, an ad revenue share. Right. Um, I mean, we we do supply Transport for London uh, with digital signs that are displayed at bus shelters. Uh, but also within their other in- infrastructure, like um, bus stations. But really, we're we're more, uh, I guess, uh, citywide about putting digital signs into places such as schools and hospitals, um, workplaces, offices, and such like, in order to generate demand from the sort of non-traditional locations, mm-hmm. and encouraging the people within those locations to consider public transport. Mm-hmm. So this doesn't sound like a traditional business in that, you know, you, you said this is about generating demand to use 
public transport services and so on versus uh, you know, more traditionally, just, this is about making money somehow or other. Yeah, I think that's the difference is that a lot of the traditional plays, they, they actually put the real-time information secondary to their primary objective, which is to earn revenue from the display of ads. Mm -hmm. And to my mind, that means a poor customer experience. Uh, and, the, and in turn to that is that poor customer experience means reduced demand. So, you know, if you think about um, traditional bus shelters, they, it, it is actually incredibly complex for many people to try and navigate the public transport information um, and to try and, you know, if you're, if you're coming to London, for example, trying to find out which is the right bus, is it going to go to your preferred stop? How long mm -hmm. are we going to take? Is there any disruption information? All of that stuff is, it's a sort of, it could, if you don't have it, it makes you want to go and choose a different mode of transport. So mm -hmm. you, you'll probably take a taxi or you may you know, end up using your own car, for example. Um, and actually what we're trying to do is to show to people, look, public transport is really easy to use. It's really accessible. It can get you from A to B pretty, pretty fast. Um, and, you know, if you're aware of the onward travel uh, information from your stop, from the net, from the stop you're trying to get to, then actually, you know, you, you can make the whole journey much easier and less stressful uh, for many people. So, so this almost seems like a community initiative, but there, there's, there is a business model behind this, right? Yeah, there is, there is the, the business model is pretty straightforward, to be honest. I mean, we are paid by the transport authority or their partners, their contract partners. Um, and our job is to uh, provide these digital signs and the digital signs generate demand, mm -hmm. um, you know, so in, in a different way of thinking, you might consider, you know, the real time information as being the best form of advertising uh, for public transport, mm -hmm. certainly better than a static advert, in my opinion, anyway. So. Your efforts, your company's efforts are to aggregate the data, make sure it's handled accurately and always up to date and so on. Why would Transport for London not do that themselves? Yeah, they do. I mean, Transport for London are, are the world's largest integrated transport network, and they have, you know, the, a global leading uh, data strategy. Um, and it's, they're famed the world over for their open API strategy. Uh, what that means is that uh, we can access their data um, and we have pretty much have unfettered use of that data. And so do many other developers as well. Um, and we can be sure that the data we've got is true and accurate. Um, and what we do is that we take that information and we plot it around a particular location. Um, and we bring it together with a legible London style wayfinding map where we plot the access points onto it. Um, and then, uh, we bring it all together into a sort of nice looking digital sign that's easy to understand and, and act upon. So we're not generating data. We're not modifying data. All we're right. doing is bringing data together into a easy to understand format. Right. So you're doing. The presentation layer that in theory transport for london could do themselves but you're good at it uh it's not what they want to focus on so they're they're happy to work with you to do that part of it that's right yeah i mean we are a supplier to tfl 
Um, and, you know, they use lots of other different tech suppliers, you know, whether it's to build their uh, award-winning TFL Go app or to build bus shelters or whatever it may be. You know, they, they have lots of different suppliers bringing their individual skill sets into play. Um, and that's basically what we do. Um, but I think that one of the things that we do bring to the party, because we're a you know, tech startup, is innovation and the ability to pivot quickly and come up with sort of entrepreneurial new ideas that we can bring into play and throw them out to TFL and say, listen, what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. um, and so we can move quite quickly. Did you have to go to them to sell into this or is your company kind of a result of being in discussions with them and starting the company because this opportunity existed? Sort of a mix between the two, actually. So TFL actually issued a tender some time ago uh, that we won um, uh -huh. uh, to produce the platform. And we've sort of taken it on from there and given it a, a life of its own and extended the service beyond London as well. So working with other transport authorities um, and other partners um, outside of London. So this is audio, so it makes it a little difficult to visualize things, but can you give me some sense of how this manifests itself uh, within the transport system and then in public and private buildings? Okay, so, um, well, I'll give you a couple of examples. Sure. So, um, uh, for example, in every uh, bus station across London, there are digital totems, and those digital totems it's a bit like an airport, you know, or a train station where you've got um, a central totem and it shows all the services, where they're going uh, and what uh, sort of, um, yeah, you know, where, whereabouts within the bus station they're leaving from and if there's uh -huh. any disruption. So we look after all of those for London. Um, another example would be smart bus shelters, whereby you could have a large format digital screen with detailed route maps for each of the uh, routes, each of the services that are running via that bus shelter with real-time information on all those routes, plot, plotted not on a, on a sort of a fixed JPEG of a, of a route, but actually plotted live onto a legible London-style map mm -hmm. with onward time estimation to reach all the uh, onward stops, uh, onward travel uh, information such as the tube status, any disruption notifications and more so that people can quite easily contextualize their journey and see if it's going to be running smoothly all the way through. Um, mm -hmm. Another example, um, uh, you know, could be at a, a bus stop itself. So across London, there are about 18,000 bus stops um, and only about 2,000 bus shelters. So only about 2,000 of these locations have any real-time information. So what we can do for those ones is have uh, put in QR codes and customers can scan the QR codes and open up a real-time digital sign on their personal device with no registration, no login, no heavy download. It's just a purely web-based solution that shows all the upcoming uh, departures for that particular stop with detailed route information, onward stop information, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then links to download the official apps. Um, so it's like an instati institutional, institutional, uh, interstitial, yeah, institutional sort of uh, page, you know, mm -hmm. where it's easy for everyone to access. But you know, hopefully, you're going to convert more people into downloading 
yeah. the apps, the official apps. Now, the official app is TFL official app or yours? Yeah, no, 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 no. We don't do apps, I'm afraid. Okay. Um, no, so you know, the whole point of, well, one of the points about what we're doing is, you know, really that it's, it's about trying to make everything as open and as accessible as possible. So there is no registration, there's no login, there's no download. Um, all, all you need is a, is a modern web browser and you can access the information. We don't ask anything from the customers. We don't track them. Um, we don't do anything really uh, about that. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the problems when you go to an unfamiliar city and you decide, I'm going to use their transport system. You go to the app store or whatever it may be to find the app for the mass transport system in that city and there's like five or six of them and you don't know which one is official which one's riddled with ads or not updated or god knows what yeah i think but also i mean a lot of you know in london there's i can't really speak for other cities because our primary focus is london well that's our area of expertise but you know there are um you know hundreds of thousands of people who are Digitally, digital, digitally excluded by people who don't have uh, smartphones at all. And then there uh -huh. is a whole another segment that are extremely low digital users. And there's, I think in London, there's about 2 million of those, according to a Lloyd's report. Um, so, you know, you've got about two and a half million people that are uh, not going to be using smartphones um, uh -huh. or not, not downloading apps. And those, you know, you've got to provide real-time information to those people because those are also a core audience for the transport authority because they tend to be, you know, looking at their demographics, they, they match perfectly the sort of TFL um, bus user type. Um, right. But at the moment, they're, they're sort of, ex they're, they're somewhat excluded from the service or, or the latest developments of promoting those services. It is the... Focus more as a result on uh, road transport, buses, and so on, as opposed to the London Underground, because the Underground has, you know, maps. It's got covered areas and everything else. You're, you're yeah. It, it's easier to convey information. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, like train stations and and tubes, they're fairly straightforward. You go onto the platform, you take a train going, you know, one way or the other way, mm -hmm. or if you go to a train station, it's all linear. But if you're taking buses or you want to go and get a bicycle, you know, they're, they're all, they're, they're within the built environment itself and they could be going pretty much any direction. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, you really need to know where is the best location for you to find your particular service and, and then, you know, how long you're going to wait and if there's any problems with that particular service. Um, and also the other thing is that, you know, the tube services, they're all linear again, you know, so they're always getting, you know, the, the district line, for example, is always going to go on those particular routes or, you know, one way or the other, they might stop slightly earlier, but generally they're always going to follow that same path. And if you wait one minute, then the next one's coming along or two minutes yeah. or three minutes. So what we do is that we just show, um, on the tube status, we, we show if there's any problems on any particular line. And then we say all other lines running fine. Um, which is the sort of TFL standard approach to uh, displaying uh, the status. Uh -huh. Yeah, the, uh, this year I've spent a, a couple of weeks in London uh, doing interviews and then I was kind of there semi-holidaying as well and I was struck by the amount of real-time information 
that you could get on, I was taking the Elizabeth line more than anything else. And it was terrific in terms of telling me, I definitely don't want to go on the circle line right now. Yes. Well, the Northern line. <laughs> <laughs> the really old ones. Yeah. Some of them are, are better than others, to be honest. Um, and also you've got to pick the right one. And this, I mean, it's freezing in London at the moment and some of them have heating and some of them don't, you know, like in the summer, some of them have air con and some of them don't as well. So, you know, we don't, we don't flag that. And I, I can tell you often which ones are which, but you know, I mean, they're all right here is stifling. Yeah. I mean, it could be useful information to many people. For over a decade, ScreenFeed has been the reliable choice for beautifully designed, licensed content such as news and weather. We handle over 27 million requests a day to deliver dynamic content to 200,000 screens across the globe. Now we bring you ScreenFeed Connect, a no-code solution that makes complex content projects easy. Projects that used to take our designers and developers weeks became a to-do we could complete before lunch. The easy-to-use browser-based tool leverages pre-built data connections and ready-made widgets to give you the power to design with data. Create team member profiles, schedules, tenant directories, progress boards, featured products, or anything that leverages your data. Discover how Connect empowers you to complete projects faster at screenfeed.com. So what you're doing is a little reminiscent to a U.S. company called Transit Screen. Yeah, I know. I've heard of Transit Screen. Well, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they would sell a service into a building and they would also layer in things like uh, the availability of rideshare, uh, dockless bikes. Probably, if they're, I'm not sure what their status is right now, but probably scooters as well. Uh, do you do any of that? Um, not at the moment. I mean, it is something that we all are quite interested in, um, but you know, we are dependent on the data sources that are available to us. And obviously, uh -huh. we are primarily funded by TFL as well. So, yeah. our modus operandi is to really promote TFL services. Okay. Um, I mean, when we've looked at it before, some of those, um, like there are uh, lime and forest uh, e bikes, for example, across London, but they mm -hmm. don't actually have an open API that we can access. Um, the other thing I think that separates us from um, the transit screen uh, service, and I think they've rebranded actually now, but um, I think they, they don't tend to have maps uh, or contextual maps on their screens. They tend to be very uh, linear in terms of, you know, saying information is available on this particular site, type of service at this particular place. And that it's like 500 meters away, but you've got to go and work out mm -hmm. which direction it is. Um, whereas in London, we've got a, a sort of, we've got a lit that we've got what's called the legible London wayfinding scheme. So across London, you find all these, uh, totems, which are, you know, just, um, they're, they're just flat totems. They're not real time information, but they've got, you know, localized maps with, um, all the local highlights on it. So that, uh -huh. you know, there's a sort of the native way of expecting maps and how they should appear to uh, people as they're moving through the built environment that we've tried to replicate. Um, I mean, ultimately what we'd like to do is to take over uh, those totems and convert them from being static information uh, uh -huh. locations to being real time, uh, digital totems with wayfinding and uh, public transport information and, and other information as well. 
I suspect the the barriers there are uh, the steady advance of e-paper uh, as that gets better uh, and, and versus using LCD or things like that that require a lot of energy to be visible in daylight. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you sort of hit the nail on the head there or, or you know, obliquely by saying, you know, really what, what the issue is, is, is cost and technology. Um, so, you know, there are hundreds of digital, hundreds of totems, legible London totems around London. Um, not all of them have power uh, or near power nearby. Um, and the cost to convert each and every one of them would be uh, very substantial. But, um, you know, if we can bring in, as technology advances and things become cheaper, uh, you know, solar power and, and other sort of, you know, lower energy burn options come into play, then that's sort of where we're, we're hoping that there's an opportunity. Right. So I, I think I saw you guys were, you have your offices or technical uh, location in the Battersea area. If, if, if the Battersea Power Station, which is now uh, kind of a multi-use mall and other things, uh, wanted to put your content on a large screen in their main access areas, what would they need to do? What's involved? So um, it's really quite straightforward. They just need to uh, install a, a screen of any particular size. Can be uh -huh. you know small or super large. We put a 75 inch screen into an office complex in Cretanoster uh, Square you know, just a, a week or so ago. But I mean, you can go for pretty much any any size screen. Um, the larger ones tend to be Ethernet connected rather than Wi Fi connected. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, as long as that screen has uh, has browser capability, then we can uh, deploy a digital sign onto it, and it will be suitable, you know, for display both uh, small scale and, and large scale. So you could have it within a stadium, or you know, one of the massive. Um, if you've been to the power station, you know they've got that uh, this huge sort of um, warehousey style uh -huh. engine rooms there. Um, which are now full of shops, but you know you could put one you know, at the end of uh, one of those engine rooms, um, and it, it would look fantastic. Yeah, I, I was there three four months ago. It's 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 a it, it's a great reworking of that building. Outside, they could really use wayfinding, but that's somebody else's problem. Yeah, and also there's boats there as well. Um, so Uber have taken over the boats uh, in London. Um, so they no longer, unfortunately, provide data onto the transport, onto the TFL uh, mm -hmm. data feed. And so we're trying to uh, work with them to get data from them. But at the moment, uh, they don't, they're not included within the uh, TFL uh, API feed. I'm understanding this correctly. There's a URL per geospecific site. That's right. Yeah. And if it was a digital sign in a building that was also showing, if we're using the Battersea Power Station as an example, also showing sales promotions for some of the retail tenants, could your information be scheduled in or does it need to be on there full time? No, it doesn't need to be on full time. So um, obviously, you know, we, we're very aware that um, uh, 
digital screens need to uh, pay for themselves. And often that's through advertising. So, uh, you know, all content can be part of a playlist um, and you know, run for 15, 20 seconds every, every 40 seconds or so, or whatever the, the host decides is uh, best. So we, we're working on another project at the moment, uh, which actually is actually doing very similar, something very similar to that, whereby the content will rotate with other content about, you know, uh, walking routes, um, heritage and other information that pertains to a particular place. Mm -hmm. um, because obviously public transport information is not the only thing that's of interest to people as they're moving through the built environment, but it's, it's one of the time sensitive things that is important to them. Because it's web-based information, is it responsive? Yeah. It's not in, in not a, we don't, we do do, um, mobile friendly, smartphone friendly, uh, uh, signs as well. Um, but usually they're going to be a QR code based. So someone will scan a QR code and then it will open up a, a smartphone or, or on the personal device, uh, friendly version. Um, so some of the other signs we design are particularly for larger format, digital signage screens, um, in particular. So what I've seen examples of was a portrait mode screen, but you could do a, a landscape screen. No problem. Oh yeah. We've got loads of them. I mean, it's roughly 50, 50 at the moment. Oh, okay. In terms of deployment between landscape and portrait. I don't really have a preference. I think they look good. I think it, you know, the one we put in last week into Paternoster Square was a portrait and I, I, I sort of think it looks really quite nice in portrait style, but. And have you done the design and everything to kind of mirror or parrot the, you know, the, the transport for London colors and so on? Uh, well, we've built it to meet the TFL brand guidelines. Ah, okay. um, so that was very important, obviously, because we're, you know, we're paid by TFL. Um, and the map is styled to look, um, as close as possible to, um, the legible London guidelines, but without, you know, uh, copying it. Um, and we use a service called Mapbox you know, to do that, which allows us to uh, play with the layers and the design of the layers on the maps very, uh, efficiently. And we did actually did a project for Melbourne as well, transport for Victoria in Australia, where we came, we came up with a similar whole range of concepts for uh, Melbourne and mm -hmm. using uh, their, again, their sort of legible Melbourne guidelines or transport for Victoria guidelines, their branding and their, their mapping as well. So is there kind of a consulting wing to what you do as well? Well, we do the consulting. Uh, Basically the, the, we, we can provide just consulting, but really what we're hoping to do is to build long-term relationships with transport authorities where we can deploy a platform, make the signs available across their, uh, across their estate and out to their community. And, and, you know, if, if that sort of, uh, option is available to us, then we'll do the consulting, uh, bundled into you know, a longer term agreement with them but it's not fundamental to your offer no no not at all 
That was going to be my next question is, uh, are you working outside of London? So you're in Australia. Are you elsewhere as well? So we did a, we won a, we won one of the winners of a global tender, innovation tender for transport for Victoria. Um, and we developed a whole range of concepts for them. Um, unfortunately, their data wasn't in quite a, a state as yet to enable the concepts to be deployed. So that one's very much a, a watch this space. Um, we've also had discussions with others, um, both, uh, in Europe and also in North America as well. Um, and we're quite keen on, on working internationally. I think on the international side, we're much better where we work with a, uh, a bigger technology partner. So usually with transport authority tenders, um, they put them out there and there's big organizations, um, that, uh, you know, pitch for them. And we're typically too small to pitch for them, uh, right. but we can go in with uh, those larger organizations and bring that uh, element of innovation and entrepreneurialism and, you know, some design uh, to give them an extra, yeah, an, an edge in their tender over right. above everyone else. So you might be going with an IBM or somebody like that. Uh, yeah, or, you know, the, the big one in America is, well, the, who we've worked with is, is VIX technology. Um, and they're a nice bunch of guys, uh, but we've mm -hmm. also, you know, uh, partnered previously with trapeze, uh, which is in the UK. And also, uh, there's a one in the UK who we work with very well called Trueform engineering as well. We've done mm -hmm. stuff with them, uh, both in London and outside of London as well. You, you mentioned at the start that you're, you're working with the London authority, which has a world reputation for, uh, it, it's data API and everything else. And you also mentioned that Melbourne isn't quite at the same level. Is, is that a big challenge when you look at other jurisdictions? Yeah, totally, 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 totally. I mean, it's, it's, you know, there, there is basically the, the world is changing and it's changing very rapidly. Um, and the data is becoming less of a problem. Um, but one of the problems that remains is the cost of data, um, which means that actually using our service may be prohibitive to smaller towns or organizations outside of London. So with the TFL API, we have free access to that. But if it was outside of London, I don't know, for example, in Bristol, then we would have to partner with a third-party data provider. And there are, you know, a small number of those that can provide that service, but it's not free um, and their costs are extensive. And then we have to layer our costs on top of that. Um, and it may be that for that transport authority that they look at that and say, well, actually that's just, we can't do that sort of cost at the moment. Um, and indeed somewhere like Bristol actually used to have their own API and then uh, took it offline uh, because they said, you know, we can't justify the, the cost of maintaining this open API strategy, mm. which to my mind is insane because surely the, the biggest way of generating demand for public transport authority is telling people what services there are there. Um, and you can only do that if you've got real time information. Mm. Um, so if you suddenly say to all the developers and even your own services, you know, we're going to you know, not have an API anymore. It just means that you're going to have a, a natural impact on demand. 
So I don't know if this is a simple answer or way too involved to even get into, but I'm, I'm curious if I'm a transport authority, let's say in Kansas City, Missouri, Winnipeg, Manitoba, or Munich, Germany, what do you need in terms of the shape and structure of data to make this workable? Well, really, it's um, what we call a JSON API um, and then documentation around it, and we'll take you from there. Um, so most of the APIs follow a common standard these days, um, and you know we, we can work with any of them, really. Uh, we've not done any multi-language um, digital sign designs as yet, um, so we do need to consider the elements of user experience for, you know, trying to work in something like, I don't know, Japanese, for example, would be challenging for us at the moment, because we'd have to consider how they interpret information, which is different to how we might interpret information uh, in the UK. Um, but you know, somewhere like Missouri, um, and you know, Munich would, would be fairly straightforward for us. Okay. So if people want to know more about your organization, where do they find you? So the best thing to do is to look at our website, uh, which is at uh, passage-way.com um, or connect with me on LinkedIn. I, you know, I'm very, I, I'm quite chatty on LinkedIn and, and I post a fair amount to, and also the company is on LinkedIn as well. Um, That's how I found you. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, the more the merrier, really. Um, <laughs> All right, uh, Chris, thank you very much for spending some time with me. Okay, thank you, and have a great day. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 69, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 69 at 16-9.net. You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 169 is not a press release republishing mill, like a lot of this stuff out there. If something makes it on 169, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 169 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at ScreenFeed.com. 16.9, the blog and the podcast, are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage, for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's Spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house, located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia, on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.